0: And my prayer is that you are going to enjoy the service. Amen. So thank you for coming to worship with us. And um, at the end of the service, we'll ask you to come to the front right at the end for us to welcome you in a special way. You may take your seat. God bless you. You can sit down. You can sit down. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. So let's go to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. I'm just finishing the message I started last week. Uh, This is part two, and I'll carry on with part three as, as, as we carry on. So we should have it maybe for another four weeks. Just talking about the pathway to greatness. It's very clear that God wants to do great things in our lives. And uh, he wants to exhort himself in our lives as well. When God does great things, he does great things through people. When the devil does evil things, he does evil things through people. So it's up to us to choose how we want God to use us. But one thing that's very, very clear is that every man, every woman want to make a difference in their generation. So let's go to Genesis chapter 12 and in verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation, I will bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and I'll curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from heron it basically means that you are never too old for god to use you god can use you at any point in your life as long as you make that decision and say lord i'm opening my life to you and i want you to use me for your glory last week as a quick recap I said that whenever there is a declaration of God's word, it's not everyone who walks in that word. Uh, others walk through the word. Others walk through the word. Maybe a few uh, for, for quite a very short period of time. And others walk in that word for a long time. And uh, we saw that when God spoke to Abraham, about making him a great nation and the promise that God had given to Abraham was a long-term promise. It wasn't a promise that was going to be fulfilled within a short period of time and uh, we were looking at the story to say how can one become a great nation uh, with the way God was was speaking and he is a man who is 75 years old Um, And as he begins to pursue God, possibly there were others that were shaking their heads thinking he has lost it. And yet he had heard from God. So we started looking at the process that God takes through people to make them. And uh, when God is in the process of making people, I said um, it doesn't come about by the laying on of hands. uh, Much as we love the laying on of hands. But uh, it's a long-term process. It takes time. And uh, it's determined by what God takes you through, not what God gives you. And I know most of the times we want God to give us things. But the key thing is about what God takes us through. And uh, we, we started looking at even Jesus, the way he told his disciples and said, Follow me and I will make you fishes of men. So we, we, we concluded as we're, as we're carrying on that the making process is, uh, is a long-term process. Uh, the mistake that we make when it comes to God's process of making us is that we most of the times focus on what God gives us and not what God takes us through. And uh, as we live in society, whether we like it or not, There are things that happen in society that do affect us, and uh, in today's day and age, we 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 live in the days of uh, the fast food restaurants, whereby you walk in, you drive through, and uh, you order as as you can by City Mall. There's a place there you can drive through, and then you come you come to a place uh, the machine. Now I've noticed there's somebody who sits somewhere, so they speak to you. I was wondering, how do they know that I've arrived? So they they say, hello, and how are you? I'm good, and then you place your order, and then they always ask you, is that all? And then you say, yeah, that's all, and then they'll tell you the amount. So you drive, and then you come to the window, and then I discovered that the person at the window where I go to pay, actually, she's the one, who talks to me, trying to fool me that she didn't see me before I came. So you pay, and uh, then you go and collect the meal, and off you go. But I was sharing last week that uh, recently I learned how to make butter chicken. And uh, making butter chicken is not the same as the other type of food. And I provoked you to say, try butter chicken with naan bread, which has got garlic where the mouth testifies that life is good when you eat that kind of food. You know, it's very, it's really, really good. It's totally different from the, all the other foods that we eat. So we said in the making process, when God wants to make you, and in, on this pathway of greatness, one key thing is that you have to be a follower. It's very difficult for you to become who God wants you to become if you are not a follower. So you need to become a follower. And uh, and I said this process of, of following is, is a very tricky one because you need to have the conviction and make a decision, say, I am going to follow. So the process of following can be challenging. It can be repetitive. And sometimes you are not even sure where this thing is going to take us to. But uh, we saw the word that Peter spoke to Jesus when Jesus asked them and said, okay, are you also not going to leave? And he says, Lord, where are we going to go? Uh, You have the words of eternal life. And he says, and we have come to believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And I say that for Peter to come to that uh, speech of conviction, to say, we have come to know and we have come to believe that you are the Messiah, the son of the living God that happened in the process of following. And I said, without Elijah, uh, there wouldn't be an Elisha without Elijah. But Elisha Elijah had to make a decision to follow. There wouldn't be a Joshua Without Moses and there wouldn't be a David without Samuel and uh, there wouldn't be a Samuel without Eli and there wouldn't be an Esther without Mordecai there's always something that God does is that he plants people in your life in the process of making so today I just want to focus on the two things, and then later on we're going to have Holy Communion. But the life of following also requires obedience. The life of following requires obedience. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 12 that as soon as God speaks these words to Abraham, Abraham, the Bible tells us in verse 4, that actually the Bible says so. Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. What did the Lord speak? The Lord spoke these words. Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land I will show you. The land doesn't have a name. And he says you just have to leave. Meaning that for Abraham to get to know the land, he will get to know the land in the process of following. If he stays in heaven and doesn't start off, God is not going to tell him the land. He has to leave. He has to go. And after he leaves and he's on his way, eventually God begins to disclose more and more and I, I will share a bit more around that as we carry on. But I want us to take it that the Bible says, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And then the Bible says, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And sometimes you can be like me who is 48 years old. You want to begin to reason with God. And you can be 15 and you want to begin to reason with God. You can be 16 and you want to begin to reason with God. You can be 55 or even 65 and you want to begin to reason with God. And I think we have got a very good case here. Whereby somebody is 75 years old. God speaks to him. And the man, all he does is he just says, okay, God, you have spoken of I go. And, and the pathway to greatness, we need to live a life of obedience to God. Hallelujah. On this pathway, your level of obedience is a proof of your faith in God than just your confession. It's very easy to make a confession. It's very easy for you to say, but it's very, very difficult to follow through on what your word has said. So your level of obedience, your level of obedience to God is the proof of your faith. You want to find out the proof of your faith? Your level of obedience to that which God says. This becomes a proof of Abraham's faith in God. When God says, live and the man lives depart, and the man departs. Get out of your country. The man gets out of his country. From your father's house, he gets out of his father's house. From your family, the man leaves his family, and he says, God, I am going to follow you. And this is a God he has never seen. Hallelujah. So, Abraham leaves, and, and in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, the Bible says, by faith, Abraham obeyed When he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. I'll read that again. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. The place he doesn't know. But it is his going out that will take him to the place which God is going to give him as an inheritance. And if he stays in Haran, the promise is going to be there. The inheritance is going to be there. And it's not going to get occupied by Abraham. Somebody else is going to occupy it. And yet the inheritance has got Abraham's name on it. Because what is required is for Abram to go out. If he doesn't go out, he is not going to come to the place of his inheritance. And then the Bible says, And he went out not knowing where he was going. Abram, where are you going? To a land. What is the name of the land? I don't know. So how are you going to know when you get to that land? God says he's going to let me know when I get there. How long is the journey going to take? I don't know. Abraham, don't you think you're going crazy now? Possibly I am. But when the voice spoke, when God spoke, I knew that is his voice. And I want you to know, when you set out to do that which God has spoken to you, when you do not have all the facts... That's what separates the boys from the men. Hallelujah. Faith is taking the first step before God reveals to you the second step. That's faith. Because if God goes first, then it doesn't require faith. The Bible says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. You have to take the first step. As for the first step that he needed to take, he already did it. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you and me on the cross of Calvary. And there is no salvation in any other apart from Christ. Hallelujah. We can argue about these things, but that's the fact. And it's about you taking the first step. And I want you to know what obedience is going to do. Obedience will sometimes usher you into the unknown. Obedience obedience can sometimes bring you into a place where you don't have all the facts that's what obedience will do obedience what 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 obedience does is is something that i think that's why we struggle to obey because one of the things that we need as human beings is that we need to have a sense of certainty how is it going to work out do a b is gonna happen but obedience sometimes will make you to make to will make you make take a step when all the facts are not there you only have one fact and you're depending on that one fact and then you are going ahead based on that one fact and that's what obedience does and because it does that people find it very challenging to obey because they don't have all the facts But when you look at the major breakthroughs that happen in people's life, they are always tied to the unknown, but you have to step out. If you don't step out, the breakthrough is not going to come. Hallelujah! That's what obedience does. And that's where people quit. That's where people give up. Why do people give up? Because we like to have the feeling of the known. If they... When the unknown is coming, it's tough. We want to have the feeling of the known for me to be able to take the next step. That's why when people want to invest, they want to be sure. I was listening to BBC as I was driving to work this morning. And uh, they are saying that Saudi Arabia, uh, there's a company, I've forgotten the name of the company. But uh, the, it's, it's been the company that has been managing all the issues to do with oil in Saudi Arabia. And the, the, the crown prince has said they should float, I think, some shares uh, in this company. And, and there was a comment that caught my attention that or, already some people are trying to analyze uh, what is this all about. And I can, I can bet others are going to buy the shares. Others are not going to buy the shares. Those that are not going to buy the shares are not because they are not very, very sure. There was a one point I wanted to buy treasury bills uh, from the Reserve Bank. And when I was about to buy the treasury bills, somebody came to me and go like, you know what, you're going to lose all your money. But I still went ahead. I still went ahead and bought the treasury bills. And, and that's what faith is all about. Faith is about You take the step, even though you don't have the feeling of the known that we want. We want a guarantee. What is a guarantee? No bank is going to give you money without a guarantee. They don't care, you know, Brother Nyondo or someone else. They don't care about that. They want a guarantee. Do you have collateral? Do you have a house? Do you have security? You can't show up in the bank and go like, I've got some really great, amazing, brilliant idea. And therefore, I will want you to give me the money. They're not going to give you the money. They want a guarantee. They want security. They want to operate from the known. And, and, and it's us about us as human beings. But sometimes, the guarantee that God gives us is not physical. Hallelujah. It's not physical. You just have to be ready. God, you have spoken, I'm ready to go. And if faith becomes the vehicle then that begins to carry you through the rocks, through the bumps, through, through all the roadblocks and the obstacles and the challenges. And I want you to understand and know. I know we always want to think positive, but please understand me. Things are not always positive. Hallelujah. Things are not always positive. If you want things to be always positive, it's not going to work in your life. Things are not always positive. Sometimes things, everything that has to go wrong, goes wrong. And it is your conviction in what God spoke that's going to take you to the place. Without that, you're going to give up along the way. And that's what separates the men from the boys. Hallelujah. You go through rocks. You go through bumps. You go through obstacles. You go through roadblocks. You go through barriers. You go through things that you don't want. And as I have said, everything that has to go wrong, goes wrong in that process. And you can begin to say, God, where are you? But it is the faith that brings you to the land of the promise. You hold on to that word of faith. Until it brings you to the end. If you don't hold on to that word. Then there is a challenge. What am I trying to say? There will be seasons of waiting. Hallelujah. There will be seasons of waiting. And that's where the real test is. In the season of waiting. Because real faith works. When there are no guarantees. There there is no guarantee. That's when real faith works. And the season of waiting, I'll come to this season of waiting shortly, but the season of waiting, church, I want you to understand, is not an easy season. And do you want to know the good news? Most of the times you never know when that season of waiting is going to end. It can be 20 years. It can be 25. It can be, it can be 40 years. It, but whether, whether, whether you like it or not, and as long as God is going to do great things with your life, there will be seasons of waiting. Not only once, many times. There will be a season of waiting. in life. And what you do in that season of waiting is very, very crucial. Hallelujah. Our faith in God is made perfect by our level of obedience, not our knowledge. You can have as much knowledge as you want to have. But your level of obedience is what's going to make your faith perfect. James chapter 2 verse 20 to 22 says, But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father? justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect so whether you want or not faith without works is dead you cannot declare to have faith when there are no works that go in line with what the first you profess. It goes together. And, and I want you to know, the first one, that I, I, I love Abraham, because God tells him, okay, you know what, sir? Leave. The man leaves. He departs. The chapter we read. And then, along the way, there is the Abimelech story. There is an American story. And the man is shaken. But I want us to go to Genesis chapter 22. Because this offering of Isaac was another stage of testing. But the, the act of obedience confirmed his faith. So let's go to Genesis chapter 22. Isaac is born. And he's about 14 years old by this time. Genesis 22 verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And God said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which i shall tell you now let's continue reading it verse 3 so remember in chapter 4 of chapter 12 uh, in, in verse 4 of chapter 12 after god has spoken the bible says so so abraham departed In verse 3 here, the Bible says, so Abraham rose. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place far off. And Abraham said to his young men, here with the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the bent offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son but the angel of the lord called out called to him from heaven and said abraham abraham so he said here i am and he said do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him for now i know that you fear god since you have not withheld your son your only son from me hallelujah what, what, what amazes me in these stories, they take off. I will say two things. When God speaks in verse 2, he does not speak again until verse 11. In between, there is total silence. God doesn't say anything. And then there is something unfolding in between as they take off Isaac who is about 14 at this time Isaacs the dad the knife I can see the fire I can see the wood I can see but where is the lamb for the offering and Abraham doesn't say you are the lamb it's you that I'm going to slaughter today I will slaughter you, I will burn you on the wood, and I'm offering you as a sacrifice to God. He doesn't. There is a lot that is going on in his heart at this point. And all he can afford to say is that the Lord will provide for himself the lamp for the burnt offering. Let's go. And they go. And 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 Truly, he builds an altar. He has no clue where the lamb is going to come from. But he has spoken. And somehow, I want to believe that it was based on this confession that Abraham said, the Lord will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering that God acted on that word. Hallelujah. And 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 he takes him. He, the Bible says he binds him. He binds Isaac. puts him on the wood, and is about to slay his son. And the Bible says his only son. And it's more or less like God says, "You've done this. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him." should not perish but have everlasting life and god says you've done this abraham you see what i'm gonna do next hallelujah there was no need for a long speech after god's abraham in genesis chapter 22. god says go sacrifice and after God says, go and sacrifice, God doesn't speak anymore. Hallelujah. He doesn't what? Speak anymore. The next time God speaks is when the sacrifice is on the altar. That's when God speaks. In between, God doesn't speak. And I want you to know, in moments like this, you need to find a word to encourage you in between. There has to be a word that will encourage you. Because a lot is going on. At this point, Abraham, they are are living in Beersheba. And and they need to go all the way now to Moriah. When you check, it talks about, I think the the, the distance was about 32 miles, if if not about 50 kilometers. But But it was quite a distance. And they are walking over the next three days to go. I'll check the facts and then I'll give you. I, I checked the other day, so I've just forgotten. And, and, and for three days, I want you to imagine what's going on in his mind for three days. Imagine God says, take your car, your only car. Sell it because I want that money for the building project. You, 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 may, you may be tempted to say, God, I want you to speak. I want you to speak. But there was no need for any long speech here. And I want you to know, God will not speak all the time. Hallelujah. You have to hold on to the word that you heard him speak. But he will not speak all the time. The reason why we struggle to give Is because we want to be sure that the one who spoke was God. Hallelujah. That's why we struggle. The the reason why we struggle to bless others. The reason why we struggle to give to the work, work of God. The reason why we struggle to do things for the kingdom of God. Is because we want to have a long speech. We say, God, I'm not Abraham. I'm not Esther. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not Nehemiah. I'm not Gideon. I, I am me. I want you to really, really speak. And for me to be really, really sure that it is you have spoken. And when I'm really, really sure, then God, you will see, I will do. There is never going to be a long speech with God. When he speaks, he wants you to take an action. Hallelujah. Sometimes, you will experience it in your life. It's as if God has gone quiet. It's as if he's gone completely quiet. But you know what? When he says, I will make you, it means I will make you. And when he says, I'll make you great, a great nation, he means I will make you a great nation. That's what he means. But the challenge is we like drama too much. We enjoy the drama. And that's where that's what gets us into trouble. That's where all the trouble comes from. The trouble comes from the drama. The mess comes from the drama. We we just have to obey the word. I want you to know you, you, you were born and you may die, and then by the time you die, you will never you may never see the writing on the wall. If you are waiting for God to, to do a writing on the wall, for God to give you a long speech, for God to do something else, that may not happen in your life. All you have to do is say, God, you spoke, I will obey, I will do as you have said. You have to learn to navigate the steps until you get to where God is taking you to. He will speak and the rest you have to obey. How do you obey? Focus on the word. And be obedient to his word. Because when God finally brings you to the place. Where he is taking you to. People begin to wonder where you came from. They don't know what you had to go through. You have to obey. And I want us to understand and know. With God there is no overnight success. There is no overnight success with God. I said it earlier. Sometimes, overnight success may be 20 years. Are you ready to wait? Sometimes, overnight success may be 40 years. Are you ready to wait? Sometimes, overnight success may be 15 years, maybe 10 years, maybe 7 years. I don't know where God is taking you to. But where God is taking you to is really going to determine some things that you are going to go through. And what you go through is not common to everyone because your destiny is not common to everybody's destiny. Hallelujah. Overnight success sometimes can be 20 years. But in that period, you need to be a follower. You need to obey the instructions. Oswald Chambers said these words. Oswald Chambers said, The true mark of the saint is that he can waive his own right and obey the Lord Jesus. He says, that is the true mark of the saint. You waive your right and say, Lord, I choose. And I want you to take note. The key word there is choose. Lord, I choose to obey you. Lord, I I choose to follow you, Lord. I choose to pay the price. Lord, I choose. You are, I choose, I choose to believe you because I know who you are. I'm only going to hold on to one thing. I'm gonna hold on to your word. That's Abraham. But there's another f- interesting story. The man is called Achan in the book of Joshua. I'm not. I'm not going to read all of it, but I want. To, I want to read a scripture. I was reading this this morning, and it caught my attention, and I felt I, I need to add this in, into the message. I, I was amazed. So, the children of Israel have distract, uh, destroyed Jericho, and God says, um, "Jericho is mine. It's the first city that you have conquered." And because it's the first city that you have conquered, you give it to me and everything that is in that city. Nobody takes anything. It's mine. Jericho is my tithe. It's my first city. So you hand it over to me. Hand over everything that from that city comes to me. And then there is a, a commandment that is given. And as the commandment is given, eventually uh, Ekan decides that he's not going to obey. And uh, they want to go and defeat Ai in Joshua chapter 7, and they are defeated before Ai. And after that, Joshua and the elders of Israel, they tore their clothes and fall on their face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. And uh, the Bible says they put dust on their heads and, and, go, and Joshua began to say, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought these people of the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth then what will you do for your great name? And then God says, get up. Get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? In verse 10, Israel has sinned, and they have transgressed against the commandment which I commanded them. For they have even taken of their cursed things and are both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it on their own staff. So later on he says, okay, I want you to go. This is what you're going to do. You're going to go into among the children of Israel. And number one, I'm going to lead you to choose a tribe. So he goes, they choose a tribe. The tribe of Judah is taken. And then afterwards, they say, okay, now, what you're going to do is you're going to choose a clan or a family. And the Bible tells us that the family of the Zahites was taken. That's in verse 16. And then later on, after the Family of the Zahites was taken, then man by man was taken, and Zabdi, the household of Zabdi, was then taken. And when they chose the household of Zabdi, they had to bring now, one by one, of the sons of Zabdi, and then Achan, the son of Kami, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. That's verse 18. Now, in verse 19, Joshua says, Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you. Give glory to the Lord God of Israel and mock confession to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. So Achan says, this is what I did. I took uh, 200 shekels of silver and also a wedge of gold that was weighing 50 shekels. And uh, I took a beautiful Babylonian garment. I converted them so I took them and they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent and with the silver on it. So Joshua sends messengers to the house. They ran to the house. Because now they have lost 36 men in battle. And uh, when they get there, the Bible says, And there it was in the tent with the silver under it. Verse 23. Let's read it together. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. Verse 24. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah. Wow. Uh, took Echan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of God, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Akko. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you today. So all Israel stoned him. With stones, and they bended them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of, stone, of stones, still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Akko. To this, day. What, what catches my attention here is that now, after Achan has confessed his sin, is not only Achan destroyed, they take Achan. They take his sons, they take his daughters, they, took, they take his oxen, they take his donkeys, they take his sheep, and the Bible says, and all that he had, I don't know how many donkeys he had. I don't know how many cows he had. I don't know how many oxen he had. I don't know how many sheep he had. I don't know how many sons and how many daughters he had. But the Bible says their death was by one thing, stones. The cows were stoned to death. The sheep were stoned to death. The oxen were stoned to death. The sons and the daughters were stoned to death. For one guy who chose to disobey what God had spoken. And that principle stands to this day. I met someone else just a few days ago. And when we started talking, I said, I want you to be very careful. Because what you do today, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. What you are doing today, if you, are, if you don't repent, is going to affect generations after you. And, and his son, who is already five years old. When he shared with me what the son is going through, I was like, do you see what you're doing? Can't you see it? Can't you be humble before the Lord and make things right with God? Because otherwise these things are going to be perpetuated. And then I gave him a very good story. I said, do you know that Adolf Hitler came from a family? Adolf Hitler for sure had a father. Adolf Hitler for sure had a mother. And I said, do you also know that all these other ones that we say, the Barack Obamas, came from a family? All these great people that we see in the world, the Mandelas came from a family. All these people came from the family. The people who have done wickedness on earth came from the family. The people who have done evil on earth came from a family. And also those who have done good. Come from a family. It matters what you are depositing into the lives of those kids. Sometimes, because we don't want to take responsibility, we push that responsibility to the church. We forget that the pastors in the church also have got children. Hallelujah. And Achan, because of Achan alone, everybody in this family ends up getting destroyed. My question to you and my question to us as a church is what's going to follow? The last one, you have to be addicted to his word. Be addicted to his word. If, if on this path, pathway to greatness, you have to be addicted to, to his word. Because it is his word that will equip you. And you must understand that your life depends on the word of God. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 10 to 13, the Bible says, Hear my son and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I've taught you in the way of wisdom. I've led you in the right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. I want you to say the word of God is my life. And my life depends on it. Hallelujah. Your life depends on this word. Your life. that This word is your life. Your your life depends on this word. It is this word that will make a difference in your life. And nothing else. Apart from the word of God. It's not even people's opinion. Because you know what? People sometimes... And many times, and most of the times, get it wrong. There'll be times when people will say, oh, "Wow, what a great man! A man of integrity, a man, a man of a man of a man of valor, a, a man or a man of stature, a man, a man that you, would desire, you would desire to be like this man." But you know what is going on in your life, and you almost want to tell people, "Had you known, you wouldn't have said what you're saying." People can say all oh, the nice things, but if it's not part of you, it doesn't make a difference. One time when I was, when I was still on Facebook, uh, I deleted the account. But I'm not saying go delete your accounts. That's not what I'm saying. But I had to delete the account. And uh, I was celebrating my birthday, and somebody else that we were with in college... Uh, put a comment on my page and uh, i'll say it in chichewa then i'll say it in english so the guy says uh the happy birthday came up the came the happy birthday was there and then he says all right so basically what he's saying is like this is, if you want an example of a person on earth, this is how a person is supposed to look like. When I read it, it felt nice. But all of a sudden, I remembered that he doesn't know me. I said, he doesn't know me. Because he has no idea Some mistakes I've done. The moments I've disobeyed the Lord. And if this is an example of a human being, then I would say, ah, you better start looking for another one. Because I've not made all the right decisions all the time. But there's a solace somewhere. I was in a meeting within the week. And, uh, Somebody was asked about, uh, so we were talking and they said, uh, people asked him and said, okay, so who is your board chair? And he said, I mentioned that so-and-so is our board chair. And, and this person says, all the people I have met, when I say this person is our board chair, everybody says, wow, a man of integrity. Only him knows if that's indeed the case. But when uh, you look at the positions he has held in this society and that to this far there hasn't been any scandal. You begin to say this is a man of integrity. And I want us to know that what should matter to your life shouldn't be people's opinion. There has to be more about you and myself than what meets the eye. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There has to be more. Don't be fooled by what people say. A lot of it is a facade. A lot of it is unreal. You need to get grounded in this word. The only thing that is superior in our lives is the word of God. Sometimes what the word will do is that the word will rebuke you. And we don't like the rebuke. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 18, the Bible says, Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction but he who regards a rebuke will be honored in the book of peter says my son do not despise the chastisement of the lord and don't be discouraged why does the bible say my son do not despise the chastening of the lord Do not be discouraged by his correction. It's because when God is correcting you, you can despise it. When God is correcting you, you can get discouraged by what God is saying. And the Bible says don't do that. Don't despise the correction of the Lord. Don't despise. Don't get discouraged because what happens, the Bible says then poverty and shame will come to you because you disdain correction now truth of the matter is nobody enjoys a rebuke i don't when my wife says uh, we need to talk if there's a thing that scares me in my life is when my wife says uh, honey we need to talk i say what no we need to talk in the evening no now I, i can't handle it for the whole day that she told me in the morning when she was leaving we need to talk i say if you are not ready to talk now then we are not talking That, that, word, that word scares me. We need to talk. Those, those three words, we need to talk for. They scare me. And I said, what wrong have I done? I know it's not anything else wrong, but, I, but we need to talk. I'm, talk what? If it's talking, let's talk now. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm late for work. I need to rush now. I'm like, ah, then you should have kept quiet and tell me in the evening. Because you just spoiled my day. And I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one. I was speaking to my daughter the other day. I said, uh, you know what, uh, love, uh, uh, we need to talk. She says, this, this scares me. It scares me. When you say we need to talk. I'm like, no, love, it's nothing. Okay, let me just tell you now. So I just had to say it. And and that's what the word does. The word rebukes you. The the reason why the word rebukes us is because, you know what? We are made for greatness. The Bible says we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God. And God has to make us. And what the word will do in the process is that the word is going to rebuke us to correct us. And you cannot disdain the correction. Because otherwise you're going to be a vagabond. And other versions of the Bible says you're going to be a bastard. So the process of making. There are times when the word rebukes. You know what you need to do? Swallow it and keep on going. Don't throw tantrums. If one rebuke, you throw off your garment. You are not going to make it in life. Let me give you an example, and then I'll I'll close. I'll say just a few things and close. So I was a protocol officer for Pastor Ande Yoson, and I wish he could hear this word in Ghana. The moments that used to scare me, when Pastor Ande is angry. And I was like, hey, men of God also get angry. And I learned how to serve under him. I learned to serve under him. I knew the things that he wants to see and the things that make him happy. And I, and, and I served. And I served. There were moments we had a pickup. I would, if there's another prayer, I would go, take the pickup, go to church, ask Elaine, who was working in our office. She still works there today. And I say, I need money for fuel drums in the back of the, of the pickup, go to a filling station, fill the drums, get back to church, open the generator, pour the drums into the generator. It was a huge generator. Pour the drums into the generator, test the generator, make sure all the air conditioners are working, everything is in place and everything. And by the time he's coming, after that, I'll rush home take a shower, come back to church, welcome him, take him to his office. And why? It's because I used to see how he gets angry when the lights go off. And I said, no, I don't want this man to go to hell. I know he may get angry and then he comes down before the sun sets. But I don't want to spoil his preaching. So I would go, and I would do those kind of things. He's going somewhere, I would go, pick him in my car, take him to the place, he finishes preaching, and that's when I I was like, protocol, I don't want to do protocol anymore. Because then they would go into the office of the visitor of the church, we have gone to minister, and you would literally see food passing you by reception. And you see drink passing you by reception, and you'd know my friends are feasting. And you're seated by reception, calmly, nicely. And you hear them laugh. You're starving. Then you come, and then they come out. One time, if they remember you, they would give you a bit of a plate of rice. Sometimes they would forget. They would remember. Oh, oh I forgot you were here. I'm like, yeah, that's what food does. It's fine. Let's get it. I will drive, drop him at his house, go home. There were many moments when he rebuked me. And I remember there was, <laughs> there was a time when he was angry and his wife wasn't, was not around. And he says, where is Helen? Where is Helen? And I, I just knew, yeah, pastor is really angry right now. And he would rebuke you. If I disdain that correction, I wouldn't be pastoring the church today here in Malawi. Hallelujah. You cannot have one rebuke and you throw off the garment and go like, I'm, I'm, I'm out. Making it through this process has nothing to do with the voices or the people's opinion, but obedience where it is not convenient. Amen. The challenge is we sign up for God's training program, and then we put a caveat and say, Lord, I'll follow you as long as it is convenient. But the continuous life of obedience, step by step, will take you there. And it's a life of obedience, not a life of drama. Faithfulness, when we talk about faithfulness, is a continuous life of obedience. And I want you to know, and this was going to be my last scripture, and then we close. I want you to know, if things, if if you know, you know yourself better than I do. At any point you feel you are losing your way, go back to the last instruction God gave you. Did you obey it? The last one that God gave you, did you obey it? Did you do what he said? Did you follow it? Because we need that level of understanding and bounce back. And the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us all our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It takes confession. Uh, thank God that in our time when we make a confession as I can did before Joshua we are not going to be stoned that's when you begin to understand mercy that's when you begin to understand grace that God says go and sin no more but do you know what we do the following morning we come again God it's me again I'm really sorry and God says okay I cleanse you from all unrighteousness in the morning we come again Lord please don't get tired of me I'm really sorry I just messed up and God says Okay, I cleanse you. I forgive your sin. I cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Until we make it. And, and God has provided that. And when we do that, God is going to use us in ways like never before. And I want us to understand as a church that there are great things that God will do in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen? In the very same way, there is nothing on earth that God cannot restore. And one of the things that God said that gonna, he uses to restore us is the blood of his son. Max Ricardo said, he said, God never said that the journey would be easy. But he did say that the arrival would be worthwhile. And I would add, the harder the journey, the more worthwhile the arrival. Hallelujah. God never said that the journey would be easy. But He did say the arrival would be worthwhile. I liked what Brother lipo posted on the uh on the group. Life is short. What what, what does it follow? Huh? Life is short, then huh? you were putting amen. You were putting all those things. You have forgotten already. He said life is short. Then what did he fall after that? Enjoy it. it. And then? Eternity is long? Prepare Prepare for it. And do you know how long eternity might come? We don't know. It might be in the next five years. It may be in the next 20 years. It may be in the next 40 years. It may be in the next whatever. But you know what? God never said it would be easy. But the arrival when we get home would be worthwhile. And it's something that God has given us to make sure that on this earth, as we live, we can be conquerors. I want us to go to Luke chapter 22. Because God wants us to conquer. Luke chapter 22. I'm actually preaching somewhere. uh, one of these days, and uh, the, tit- the title is uh, uh, something like something eternity in mind, like uh, serving with eternity in mind or walking with eternity in mind. But there's something about eternity in mind. So let's go to Luke chapter 22. The Bible says in verse 14, When the hour had come, he sat down before supper and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, "With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goes as, as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing. But I, we thank God for what Christ did. His death on, a cro- on the cross was an act of obedience. Without his obedience, you and I wouldn't be served today. We wouldn't be here today. And he has given us a sign of a covenant which remains forever. And that is a Holy Communion. And as we do on our first Sunday of the month, we're going to have Holy Communion this morning. And let me ask the leaders to go and uh, we'll shortly distribute the bread and the cup. But let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to thank you that You are a faithful God. Our partaking of the Holy Communion this morning is one of the actions we do to show that we are addicted to your word. You spoke it, we obey it. And we pray in Jesus' name, that which you commanded and declared that will come to pass in our lives We pray, let it be. Thank you that for you, Lord, you said you will not eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. One day we'll come to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You say you'll never drink of the vine until the kingdom of comes. We know one day we'll drink of this when the kingdom comes. So we partake your body this morning as a remembrance of what you did for us. The God who forgives all sins. I pray God cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Make us pure again. In the name of Jesus, we we pray, anybody not feeling weary in body, that there is healing. And we pray in Jesus' name that you will strengthen us to keep going, you never said the journey would be easy, but you did say the arrival would be worthwhile. Lord, help us to keep eternity in mind. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So let's uh, have the Holy Communion and then we'll have uh, a time. I'm back and then we'll just uh, quickly say a word. I want to pray for those who brought a tithe so that I can pray for them and then we'll give. But let's have Holy Communion now. Don't just partake of the Holy Communion. Say a prayer and say, Lord, thank you for your blood and thank you for everything you've done. And I stand on this word. Amen. the Lord richly bless you. Crucify Laid behind the stone you left to die Rejected and alone like a rose